welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online 24-7 here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word centerlefttalkradio.com go there the for there for mention there the the www.centerlefttalkradio.com there are two links on that the home page for centerleft radio the first will take you to our podcast feed the second will take you to our radio loop no i'm not going to go through any descriptions choose one or the other you apparently have or perhaps maybe you've gone through your own uh, podcast feed to find Center Left Radio. In any event, one of those three ways, and perhaps there's a few others that I'm not totally aware of, but got you to us because, well, you're listening right now. And uh, we're grateful to have you as a listener, hopefully a long-term one, or, or perhaps being on the verge of being a longer-term listener. Welcome to Center Left Radio on Friday, the 15th of September. The Ides of September? No, I don't, I don't think there are any Ides in September. Well, there would be, I suppose, if, if one were going to uh, declare the middle of any month the Ides, but... Uh, but here we are. We are we are barely a week out from the autumn uh, the autumn equinox, the, uh, the the falsely claimed day on which you could take a was it a raw egg or a no? It would have to have been a raw egg. Stand a normal hen's raw egg on its wider side, and at the moment of equinox, the moment that the earth passed through that perfect balance of 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of night. Uh, I'm not sure if it matters where, um, on what degree of longitude you would have to be, or latitude to, uh, well, to make this happen. But it, somehow, at that moment, an egg could be stood on its tail as it were a raw egg and it would balance perfectly i'm not sure how long it was supposed to balance perfectly it was all a total load of crap it was just it it, it sounded good it sounded like something special and magical happens uh that we can't possibly control don't understand there's this sudden increase in magnetism everything pulls all the harder for that moment something of a miraculous kind of a, an element there's enough miraculous and amazing about the universe and things that we know have observed are suspect and still can't even begin to figure out uh, that is still mind-boggling and, and awe-inspiring. Uh, but I suppose it helps to have a little old wives' tailishness thrown in there. Uh, so anyone who between now and the 21st of September is told to try putting an egg on its tail, I'm not sure if that even gets said anymore to anybody, but you might find yourself in that position. Don't bother. 
And if you do try it and fail, please don't, don't lie about it to other people and claim, oh yeah, I did, oh, of course it works, I've done that before. You'll just perpetuate silliness. Although it seems as though that's not a difficult thing to do. Geez, here, here, here comes a segue, folks. Uh, it seems as though that kind of delusional or self-delusional silliness is not a difficult thing for a significant uh, percentage of the American population who is willing to believe that Donald Trump uh, won the last election, that he was cheated, that it's all a lie, and that all of, the, all of the legal processes that are against him, the 91 counts and everything, is nothing but contrived BS in order to stop this absolutely juggernaut of a candidate on his way to recapturing the White House. Oh, woe, woe is us. And woe to those who would not respect the will of the Donald. And of course, the opposite is exactly the case. The reality of where we are is that uh, Donald is a, is a criminal who commits his crimes in open, claims that they're not cr crimes or claims that he can't be, uh, you know, held accountable for them. Uh, he tells his, his followers uh, that basically he is a victim, not a criminal, not a committer of crimes, but one against whom crimes are committed regularly, constantly, they, that only he can save them, that he alone stands between uh, a, a vengeful, horrible federal government out to get them and himself. He, he, he has to take the brunt of it, support me, give me money uh, to pay for my legal bills. I am a poor, I am but a poor billionaire, uh, basically beset by those who would uh, otherwise take it, and on and on, you know the game on that. And were it not so silly, were it not so ridiculous, were there, were, were there no possible room for logic and reason to be injected into that process? If you were to look at the words and look at the actions, if you, if you flew in from another planet and watched it all and could take it all in, obviously one with any sense of object, objectivity would never declare Donald the victim it would be Donald the criminal, the committer of the crimes, et cetera, et cetera. But in this country, apparently, something like 25% of the populace just don't get it, don't see it that way, are gullible enough, I, 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 would, I would prefer to have said stupid, but we'll just say gullible and, 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 and convincible enough, and as we've said many times before, are part of a group, a large number of those people, are part of a group that is embedded into our democratic system, has always been there, is always on the verge of wanting to take it down. That, that is part and parcel of at least the American Jeffersonian democratic process. There is always this internal group with its finger poised right above the self-destruct button, and they are a reminder to the rest of us 
that we have to pursue our differences and dealing with our differences under the rules provided by our Constitution in relatively good faith to the best of our abilities, or we could wind up without a democracy. Now, we never, we, we haven't wound up that close, I guess the nearest in my lifetime to a sense of losing our democracy was during Vietnam, uh, when, when Nixon, with his enemies lists and the, 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 the false reasons for being there, uh, basically, that was, it, it was a military utilization under the most contrived of, of reasons, but it winds up that we have done that quite regularly in the past in America without ultimately threatening the democratic underpinnings of the country. In other words, we could misutilize our military without threatening the, the core structure of our democracy. Uh, weird to think that, but that's how it is. That's not the case now. Maybe people are looking at Donald, the, you know, the people who were under the rocks, the ones who had, have their finger poised above the self-destruct switch, and suddenly having daylight shining on them and, and feeling somewhat invigorated, want to try out that switch and see what might happen. And Donald is egging them on because he believes it might be a way of getting him out of the trouble that he's in right now. It, w it was his original way of getting into power, and it, he's imagining it to be his mechanism for regaining it. And those that 25% out there is not recognizing what would happen or what could happen if they actually tried out the self-destruct button. And, 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 I, and I remain in awe of the fact that no one in the Trumpian, in the Trumpian camp of things, that somehow it's lost to these people what would happen if you put Donald back in control? What would happen to our democratic institutions, our institutions of government? No one seems capable of thinking through that process. And I, and I don't know if this is, if, if this was if simply the results of an inculcated notion of uh, burn it all down uh, that was there to begin with and maybe never, ever, ever bothered or cared to understand what might happen if the place was actually burned down. I, I've never seen it, it, it it's, it's been co-opted. The entire notion of this has basically now infiltrated and taken over what was the Republican Party. It is now the Trumpian Party. I can't even, I don't think I could even use the word Republican Party anymore. I've been using that word for quite some time. We have Democrats, we have Trumpians. There, there are somewhere back there, there are ancient Republicans, uh, Mitt Romney, who has just declared that he's not going to run for Senate and is releasing a book, or, and, I, and I saw a big article uh, in the Atlantic yesterday uh, about 
his feelings. Obviously, knowing that he doesn't have to worry about uh, getting reelected, he's saying what he should have been saying a little more publicly, but he's saying it anyway. He's saying that, he, to his knowledge, virtually every senator in the Congress knows that Donald's a complete idiot. Every Republican senator knows he's a nut job. He describes some amazing, amazing events and stories. He knows and he describes Josh Hawley and, 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 and Ted Cruz as two ridiculously smart people who know exactly what they're doing and how they're manipulating the public and all that sort of thing and who basically have simply chosen the retention of power over any sense of responsibility about preserving the Constitution, imagining that somehow Democrats or just the populace generally, will ultimately get Trump off the playing field. But we can't do it, say the existing uh, Trumpians, former Republicans, because, well, it would risk our standing with the base that basically is that base, that, uh, that under-the-rock group under the rocks, the, you know, the ones that could push the self-destruct button, well, they have now become and have been infused into, have been blended with, have taken over stylistically, spiritually, conceptually, uh, attitude-wise, um, policy-ishly. I don't know if there are any policies. It's just who, who to be angry at, who to blame. What was the Republican Party is owned by the people from under the rock. And, and the people who currently are Republicans don't give a damn or, or who are Trumpians and know better, and that's just about everyone in the Congress, don't really give a damn. Uh, I, 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 I am abhorred by that notion. I, I, I literally uh, recognize, I, I don't know how anyone does not recognize that Allowing Donald Trump to get back into office would be to essentially shut down the functionality of the American Constitution. We would begin with uh, Donald having to uh, either free himself from prison or basically commute all of his sentences and commute the people around. I mean, it, it would begin with this, with this filthy, disgusting, ugly display of, of, of banana republic dictatorship. And, 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 and that would be the beginning of a second Trump administration. You, you just can't do that to a country, to a democracy, and expect it to, to survive and flourish. It, it, it can't happen. But somehow, somehow Trumpians just can't seem to get that in their head. Their grievance, their anger has just blinded them to the fact that they would be cutting the support, they'd be, they'd be shutting off the engine, they'd be dismantling the jets of this beautiful thing that flies us all, you know, the American Constitution and America generally, they would be shutting it down in mid-flight and watching it begin to crash. For what purpose? I, uh, for the fantasy of being able to do it. I, I wonder what this button does. No, don't touch that. I gotta, I gotta try it. I, I gotta see what happens if I do that. And if they do, well, 
you know, we crash. One of the things that we've spoken about uh, here on Center Left Radio, and I don't speak about it perhaps often enough, is the process that needs to be initiated in order to bring us out of this the state that we're in right now. I, 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 it's, it's, it's relatively easy to talk about what is happening, to, to stand back, to, to look down from, from 50,000 feet and say, look at what they are doing, look at what the Trumpians are doing, look at how they're attempting to take apart the government and to kind of wring hands and, 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 and bewail it to be fascinated by the fact that they don't see what they're doing. That, that's okay, and, 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 there's, and there's, there will be, there are no lack and will be no lack of opportunities to make this, the, the observations about that uh, for months to come, right through the election, wherever that winds up leaving us. But if there's going to be an end to this, there has to be a point at which whatever remnants of rationality there are within the Trumpians and whatever, you know, Republicans, former Republicans, people in, in Congress and in the various state legislatures who of possessing some level of, 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 of rationality, some, some level of realization about what really is going on in the country, what needs to happen to preserve the Constitution, but are willing to still pander to the, the, the people under the rocks or who have, who have now left the rocks and are, have basically taken over what is now the Trumpian party. We have to be able to talk across the aisle, as it were, literally and figuratively. Until we can begin talking, nothing is going to change. Until there's some basis for communicating with people whose notions of, or non-notions of government are obviously totally diametrically opposed to my notions of government, to my idea of, of what leadership should look like in this country, of what we expect of our governmental institutions, until we can at least get together and, and pick one or two areas of, of apparent total disagreement and begin talking about them, until we can at least start that process. No healing is really possible. And we're gonna have to heal at some point. Now, th that makes what I saw on evening television, I guess two nights ago, all the more remarkable to me. Um, Ari Melber, who was a commentator on MSNBC, out of the blue, and I, 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 if he had announced this in advance, I, I wasn't aware of it, but I will, I'll watch him simply because I, I truly enjoy watching Nicole Wallace. She can, she can be a bit, she, can, uh, she, she does a two-hour piece from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, Monday through Friday on MSNBC. She is extremely bright, extremely, uh, extremely well-versed, knows her stuff, glib as all hell, basically can keep up with anybody in any conversation, has, uh, I, I would, 
uh, the only person in MSNBC that I would say eclipses her, but eclipses everybody on the planet, of course, is Rachel Maddow when it comes to the intelligence, the capacity for fact, for knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. But, but Nicole Wallace is really amazing and amazing to listen to. I, I enjoy her as much as I am informed by her. Following her at, the, at 6 o'clock, Melbourne comes on on the East Coast here. And a few minutes in, and I, I really wasn't paying attention, but suddenly he introduces Matt Gates. Yes, that Matt Gates. Yes, the, the congressman. Yes, the leader together with Marjorie Taylor Greene of the Wackoberry, the off-the-wall uh, wing of the, uh, of the Trumpian group, the ultra, ultra, ultra far-right, uh, take it all down, demand it, pull it, burn it up, or as, we, as, as it is reported to us on our side of the aisle, uh, the ultra supporters of Donald, the ultra everything, everything, everything. And I, just the shock of seeing Melber introduce Gates. Gates appears in a split screen like any other uh, guest on Melber or any other uh, talking head uh, political talk show on cable, like any other show might have him. And it's He's introduced, it's who he is, et cetera, et cetera. They're calm. There's no sense of, of uh, nervous tension. And Melber begins to interview him concerning, specifically, specifically, about remarks made by Gates concerning Kevin McCarthy. And specific in those was referring to McCarthy as something like, they played a clip that where Gates, on the floor of the Congress, refers to McCarthy as a dead dog. A member of the Republican, well, allegedly Republican, the Trumpian caucus, refers to the Speaker of the House of Representatives, but a guy who had to go through 15 votes to get there and gave up everything to do it as a dead, a lying dead dog who basically is willing and is in the process of reneging on all of the agreements that he made in order to get the speakership and be-ba-da-ba-da-da. Just, just, just eviscerating McCarthy and doing it in a way that would never, ever, ever be imaginable, much less tolerated in, let's say, a Nancy Pelosi uh, speakership. No member of the Democratic caucus from any, from any branch or wing, I don't care how far left or how far right, would ever imagine getting up and, and, and just insulting and demeaning. And it, it was just the ugliest thing you can imagine if you didn't happen to see Gates do it. And Melber questioned him on this and said, what is it that you claim that he hasn't done for you? Is there some, and interesting, the, 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 the way he, he handled this, you're saying that he's not fulfilling the promises he made. Do you have some record of the promises he made? And Gates's answer was 
surprisingly, surprisingly honest. I thought ridiculously honest. It would be a better way of putting it. No, I don't have a copy, but he named some other congressperson, you know, Trumpian. He has a copy. Well, well, well could, you, could you produce a copy for us, says Melbourne, so that we can see, so that the American people could basically, like you, uh, hold the speaker or, or understand why you're holding the speaker accountable and are basically, and he didn't say drilling him 20,000 new assholes in public in the most garish display of, of disloyalty and, and rebelliousness that anyone has ever, no, he didn't say it that way, but so that we would be able to understand what it is you expect him to do. Gates could not answer that. The notion that he would not have proof of what he's saying was so incredibly telling. And yet, this is all happening within the context of a ridiculously civil conversation. Now, in the process of listening to Matt Gates, I, for one realize that he's not some buffoon. He is a well-spoken guy who is not an idiot, who is not, he's not a, a Jim Jordan jumping up and down, still can't find his jacket, uh, just throwing bombs any, any old way he can, in any direction he can, just to hear the sound of the explosions. That's his job. Gates is smarter than that. He's a lawyer. I didn't realize that. He basically has to, like every other lawyer in the Congress, understand, if he, if, 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 he, if he basically went to law school, understands rules of evidence, understands how what facts are versus non-facts, understands how, how, how statements can be challenged, understands why we have to have law and, and judicial processes based on fact, how facts are ultimately determined in, in, in a court of law, how a jury determines fact, how, how a judge applies law, et cetera, et cetera. He understands and therefore to me has to know that everything he's saying about Donald Trump winning the election, that being at the core of what keeps him powerful and keeps him in, in, and keeps him in concert with his voting base, the people who vote him in, means he's lying his effing ass off. And he knows it. That's the only rational conclusion. I cannot conclude that he is, or may, may have been at some point, one of the people under the rocks that came, that basically hit the light of day and is now, no, but he's a leader of this. And he's smart. And he's an educated attorney. And he knows what he's manipulating. And he knows the games he's playing. And what I'm seeing and what everybody saw on TV was a guy who was threatening the current speaker, whether or not he's threatening McCarthy with the sense that he, that he Gates, wants to take over as speaker himself. I'm not sure that anyone wants that position. And, and, and only McCarthy basically was the one willing to take it. It would be a dreadful, dreadful position to be in. 
as Speaker of the House. I, don't, I, I just don't know how you would deal with that. But this would seem to be the direction Gates is going in. If, if, if he can't, and he, oh, he went a step further than that. This was fascinating. Melber then threw in the whole, well, you know, he's already, uh, you know, McCarthy has said he's, he's, he's unilaterally opened up an impeachment inquiry and, and, and Melber went and said, he goes, and by the way, I recognize that this is exactly what Nancy Pelosi did for the first, um, for the first uh, uh, Trump impeachment uh, concerning, you know, his, his, uh, his attempting to, to uh, force uh, uh, Zelensky to produce uh, negative information about the Bidens. Uh, but, but later there was a vote on it anyway. Okay, this is how, this is how, um, Melber sets up the situation. <laughs> Gates responds, he has no, referring to McCarthy, McCarthy has no intention of ever, ever going to impeachment. This is what Gates said on Melber's show. And it was fascinating. And in just the, the, the implications of that, First of all, he didn't say we, he didn't follow that by saying, and therefore we within my end of the, my, my, my little, you know, my appendix of the, of the, uh, what, is, what used to be called the Republican Party, of the, but of the Trumpian caucus, we will somehow force it. No, he didn't add that additional information. It was almost, if, if you have to hear it, it sounded like the beginnings of an out. It sounded like Gates had spoken to enough other Trumpians within his caucus and had recognized what everybody else in the political world already recognizes, to wit, that if you were to force a vote in the Congress on impeachment of Joe Biden, you would almost instantly be forfeiting somewhere in the range of about 10 different or 12 different seats, seats that were picked up by Republicans in otherwise Democratic districts in, in, in a midterm election when there is a tendency to swing back to the party that does not hold the White House. That's, that's the tendency in American midterm elections. And these people, these Republicans, these Trumpians, well, you couldn't call it, well, they ran probably more like Republicans. They were more centrist Republicans. But for them to have to go on the record as having been for the impeachment of Joe Biden would guarantee their removal from the Congress in the elections of November 2024. Virtually guarantee it. And Gates seemed to be giving an exit ramp to all of that. And he, and he even said that basically we probably wouldn't be talking about this if McCarthy had fulfilled what he was supposed to fulfill, a uh, uh, balanced budget, a uh, reduction in spending, uh, what else? There was, I wrote some stuff down over here. Um, he basically was demanding that they, uh, bah, 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 bah. there was a couple of things. Term limits, ah, yes, term limits. 
a, a recognition that the, that the dollarization of the planet is changing uh, because of the different centers of political and financial power, that the dollar is no longer, uh, it, where pe countries are moving away from the use of the dollar so that we, in, a sense, in, a in an effort to protect ourselves, we can't continually build uh, our budgets to the level that they're being built. Now, th there's, there's, in that, there was, I mean, between that and term limits, there's room for discussion. Matt Gates actually presented stuff that can be, that should be, debated. But it's, it's, it's not debated, it is, it is a matter of religious conviction that he claims was part and parcel of whatever it was that McCarthy, that Kevin McCarthy swore to do in a somewhere hidden, published, but, but you know, uh, memorialized list of things that got him ultimately the speakership on the 15th vote of attempting to get him into the speakership. But, but if, if, if you were to simply, even if McCarthy were to bring these things up on the floor for some kind of debate, it would be a, a very, it could be, I would think, a very interesting debate. This is stuff worthy of being spoken about. And, and, and by the way, let me, let me just further contextualize this. This is all happening in the course of a conversation with Ari Melber that ran well over 10 minutes. That is much longer, I think, than, than, than many of the interviews that he gives to a lot of other people. And then it was over. And, and of course, never did he get into the whole notion of uh, uh, did Trump win the election? What would happen to the country if Trump got back in? What would happen if there was a retribution a tour that Trump has promised? It's a, it was almost as though why even bother attempting to go there? We know, we know where that would probably end up. But there was... Yes, Virginia, we recognize that there actually might be, uh, not a, if not a Santa Claus, a, a, at least a point of, of, of initial contact. Matt Gates came on MSNBC and was interviewed by Ari. Now, Ari Melber, by the way, is a former uh, assistant federal prosecutor from the, uh, from the Southern District of New York. He, he has been there and worked with the, he, he was working in the same office that Rudy Giuliani once headed up as U.S. District Prosecutor. And he can be extremely, extremely uh, legalistic in his language. He could be very, very contained. At the same time, Melber quotes, quotes rap lyrics in support of different concepts. He, he, he goes between quoting legal dicta and rap lyrics. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, 
He's a remarkably uh, uh, diverse and rich sort of personality. He's a character. If he, if he goes without shaving more than a day, basically he has a, a five o'clock uh, ZZ Top beard, uh, at least on the way. He's something else. And he now has, as part of his resume, a rational, as, as rational as he could be, discussion with Matt Gates, which, which resolved nothing, which cured nothing, but at least got two guys in a room with, without absolute, uh, without one walking off the set, one screaming at the other about lying or something else, he actually got Matt Gates to discuss the basis for his disparaging comments of Kevin McCarthy and to admit that he did not have the proof of what it was McCarthy had agreed to. That if I, 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 I walked away from that, I, I turned it off much, I was catching my breath after that, still trying to believe that I'd actually seen Matt Gates working or talking with Ari Melber. But what I came away with, there is no established anything. That the, this was all just BS, and it was what can we get out of them, and what can we get them to commit to, and there's no written record of this anywhere, what it is he agreed to. Probably for a very good reason, because it was an incredibly emotional, incredibly fluid period, things going back and forth. What was agreed? You know, and, 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 and unless you, someone is actually keeping track of this, and apparently the process was so out of control and, and, so, and so give and take and horse trading and, and who the hell knows uh, who said what, when, but let's try it this. Okay, and, and, and well, I have an understanding that this is on the table now, or or just basically the whole process was done the way it was done to basically give uh, McCarthy a sense of humility about what his role would be, and it's going to take you that much effort to become speaker. Well, I want you to understand, Kevin, that you are under our control at all times, and that no one really bothered to go, to, no one really cared about doing something as simple and as reasonable as memorializing, writing down what it was that was ultimately agreed to that got Kevin McCarthy his speakership. And I'm left believing that the, that the, the internal workings of the Trumpian caucus are absolute sheer chaos. That if we could really peel back the curtain and see what's going on, we would see absolute insanity at play in there. We would see fear. I guess, I guess in, a, in a totally unstructured environment as it appears to be, fear and fear of the base in this particular case would be the thing that would probably dominate most people's uh, approach to it. I can't, I can't depend on my caucus for anything, because they're, they're, we're, we're within inches of bloodletting 24 7. What, what is consistent? What is predictable? Ah, the base wants to see us 
basically with the with blood dripping down the sides of our mouth from the red meat that we have consumed and that we are throwing out to them, the chunks that we throw out to them. That red meat consists of a constant uh, bewailing of the horrors that are that are being uh, inflicted on Donald. That he lost and keep repeating and repeating that he lied that that he lost the election. No, no, that he won the election of 2020. Repeat all his lies. How weaponization of government is heaven. Keep that going. That's all, and, and that will get me, that's the one thing I can count on. That might get me, should get me, reelected. But I can't depend on my caucus. I can't, I can't do any legislation. This, this Congress, this Republican Trumpian Congress, will go down, it would seem, if it keeps going at this rate, as the least productive, the least legislative of all Congresses, perhaps in American history, certainly in modern times, certainly in the post-Civil War era. They don't do nothing. They can't do nothing. Things can't get done. Things get done in the Senate. Things get done in the Senate all the time. Now we're confronted with the, uh, with a government shutdown, and now we, oh, and now we have Hunter Biden being indicted on top of that. Well, well, that's red meat. We have something else we can scream about. And I want, and I wanted to, just before we, by the way, David's coming on this morning. David Bach will be with us in our second segment. But I just, I just want to say a little something again about the Hunter Biden situation right now. Hunter Biden has now been indicted by a federal prosecutor. Well, it, it was a it was a special counsel appointed by uh, by by the attorney general by Merrick Garland. Uh, it would seem under under pressure from the Republicans, but it was when a deal that apparently was about to be approved by the local by the federal court in federal court in in, uh, in was it in Delaware I think. When the judge there said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. There's a lot of things here that have been agreed to that don't seem like stuff that I, I don't, I don't see the information that I want to see here. And in no time at all, this, this deal, which would have gotten him out with misdemeanor charges on his taxes and basically nothing on the gun, the gun purchase, while he was stoned, that deal fell apart. Instantly, a, a special prosecutor is, is put in. You don't hear anything from Joe Biden. You don't hear a word about this. And that was, that was very recent, maybe two weeks ago. It, it, boom, indictments, three count indictment on the gun purchase and possession. And the counts essentially, two of them are sort of uh, repetitive, but essentially it's buying a gun while stoned, or buying a gun while, uh, falsely, one says, well, you falsely filled out an application. Yes, of course, uh, the, the application says, were you stoned? No, I'm not. Well, that's false filling out an application. Secondly, holding, possessing a gun while stoned, it, the obvious result of lying about being stoned when you bought it. Thirdly, uh, I forget what the third one was. Something about holding, nothing about using it, nothing about the commission of a crime with it. 
Nothing about shooting someone, nothing about waving it about, nothing about ever, ever taking it outside or doing something with it. Simply lying about the fact that you were a junkie when you made a otherwise legal application. You attempted to buy a gun by legal means, but you were stoned and you were crazy and you owned the gun while you were stoned. And you shouldn't have. And, and there are penalties for this under federal law. And I think it's up to $250,000 and 10, and 10 years in prison for each count. But, 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 but again, context, context. Never, 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 never was this gun used that we know of. Never certainly used in the commission of a crime. Never, nothing whatsoever. I am not and have never been a full-time uh, criminal attorney or a litigator in any way. So I've been listening to a number of very, very experienced litigators talking about the way what Hunter Biden did would be charged. Normally, what would be done if you were a stoned guy who went in and filled out an application for a gun, got the gun, but did it by lying about the fact that at the time you were a junkie? that you were stoned on, on drugs. What would be the standard, how would this thing, how would an indictment come down on that? And you know what the answer is to that? There wouldn't be an indictment on that. None of the prosecutors, I listened to three different prosecutors. Granted, I, I was listening on MSNBC. They're all, they're all highly respected, well-known federal prosecutors. What is the history of Hunter Biden's behavior relative to the type of indictment that would come down? Answer, in all instances, there wouldn't be a damned indictment. This stuff is never indicted. You use those circumstances when there has been a further commission of a crime with the weapon, and you throw that in as part of the burden on the defendant to really basically uh, fess up and get this thing moving along quickly. There would be no indictment. There would be no case, no trial. In this current situation, the greatest likelihood would be, and I heard this from one of the prosecutors, the other two didn't mention what the probable outcome of this will be, but this makes perfect sense. Since this is never, ever brought to trial, this particular set of circumstances where a guy who was stoned simply filled out a form and lied on the form and then had a gun that he didn't do anything illegal with other than have it. The probable thing is that your attorneys go to court, they plead guilty, you plead guilty, you receive probation. Point, set, match, end of story. And how they'll deal with the tax end of this, I have no idea. How they, and how they connect this all to Joe Biden, no idea. They've had five years, six years to try to take all of these facts. All of these facts have existed for five and six and seven years. Trump had four damned years and three different attorneys general to basically find some connection. But there's nothing there. And there'll be no more there there if they attempt to go ahead and bring an impeachment. Matt Gates knows that. So he set, he set it out. He set out the seeds of walking back from the impeachment 
on Ari Melber's show, if you were listening. He showed that he has the capacity to think through, that, he's, that there's a rationality within the guy, that basically everything you see him doing is ultimately nothing more than a desire for power, and he's found a way to fulfill that for the moment, knowing full well that it will be at the expense of the country, but imagining that somehow the Democrats will, say, will ride to the rescue, that somehow Trump won't be elected, and that the Democrats will provide that rational counterpoint. And also, another thing, if, if this were, if the Democrats behaved like Republicans, what would you expect the reaction to have been to a Hunter Biden indictment? Oh, it's all political. You know what the reactions were? This is the law. Indictment came down. Let the law play out. Not, it's lying, it's horrible, it's against, it is a lying, it, it's, it is a result of what, but it came down through legal proper channels. It's an over, it was an overkill, but it can be worked out in court. Donald, on the other hand, no, you can't, you can't, no, you, you, you can't use the law. Donald is immune to the law. That, that's, that, that theme will be played out. You'll be hearing more about that in days and weeks ahead. But I, I just find this fascinating that Matt Gates gave the signal that the impeachment basically might not be the way that the Republicans ultimately go on this. That, that very possibly, very possibly, Kevin McCarthy may be, uh, may be the out for the Republicans, not having to go into an impeachment that they couldn't possibly, I mean, forget what would happen in the Senate, obviously. It would be voted, uh, th there would never be anywhere near the votes required in the Senate. It would be an embarrassment. And when it was debated, and when the facts came up uh, in the impeachment, it would be a total embarrassment that there was nothing there. Nothing there. And that, that could be more dangerous to uh, vulnerable Republicans in 2024 than whatever could be gained by impeaching Joe Biden. It, it, this is an open situation here. And it happened, and the information came when the two most unlikely people to be sitting across from each other in an interview, uh, Ari Melber and Matt Gates, had a civil conversation. Imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, we, we've, got, we've got David coming in just a moment. Uh, you know what happens right about now. And this is a perfect time for it. <laughs> Think about this with a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Center Left Radio has been here for more than seven consecutive years and more than 800 individual episodes. 800. Think of that. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make Center Left Radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we enter this final consequences stage of the Trump saga. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know. We all know. We can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Central F Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centraleftalkradio, one word, centraleftalkradio.com, and you know what comes next. David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot going on. If you want to hear more, you can follow me on Twitter at Faces Ideas Now. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things, but I want to talk about the Robbie thing real quick. Yep. Um, because he is retiring, and he he got the the op-ed written about him, or it's a biography. I don't remember what it is. The the, 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 the Atlantic article is the thing I read yesterday that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like some of the points in it are are like worth mentioning because like the comparisons are insane. Like, so Mitt Romney was the last presidential candidate before Trump, all yeah. the way back in 2012. That's right, L- last Republican <laughs> presidential candidate. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine? If well, in this case, it would be Hillary Clinton. But if Hillary Clinton came out and said, "Yeah, my party doesn't believe in democracy, and I have to spend two million dollars a year trying to defend myself from the uh, from the followers of the current front runner it's, from trying to burn," it is it is it is an incredibly incredibly wild statement, and it's the, the sort of thing, of course, you'd never expect it. Romney always was reserved, always held back. That I, I I read that too, and I my my jaw dropped. My jaw literally dropped. Well, I mean, it 
it's true. But yeah, like, it is true. <laughs> like if if somebody on the left said that, they would never stop talking. Oh no, no, of course not, of course not. But on the right, it's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. But but well, again, the shock of hearing Mitt Romney saying it out loud. But more than that, you know that he's simply saying out loud, and, if, and from what I read in the rest of the article, that what everybody already seems to, to know. Well, no, he wasn't saying in the, they weren't saying in the article that, that everybody else um, really secretly is for democracy. No, he said straight out that they are anti-democracy. That, that is an amazing Amazing, amazing statement. If, and, and I don't think the article really followed that up in any detail with any group of people, except I recall to say that Romney, didn't Romney get quoted as saying that he thought that, that, uh, that, uh, that, 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 that whatchamacallit, that uh, Ted Cruz and, and uh, the other one there are two of the smartest people in the world who know damn well everything that they're lying about. And simply, oh, yeah, yeah, he did quote that. It's fascinating, fascinating. But other than that, he really didn't get into a whole lot of other names, as I recall. But it was just it was an amazing article. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just and look, Romney has his problems. Um, but like he's considered like a rhino and a traitor. It's just a very weird dynamic for this party to have. Yeah. That isn't discussed enough because obviously it's um, it's more important to talk about the fact that Joe Biden is three years older than Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So there's that. Um, you also have the charges that came down yesterday. Uh, so uh, um, yeah. Hunter Biden got charged with, I think it was three, three counts. Mm -hmm. Three um, counts. Two of them basically repetitive, but, but three counts, yeah. It's Now, it is very funny that the alleged crimes that uh, Hunter Biden has committed are tax evasion, enriching himself and gun crimes and that the Republican party are the ones trying to get him arrested for that. Right. Though those aren't like all of the things that they look for in a, uh, basically in a politician. Like if, if, um, Don Jr. was as cool as Hunter Biden, he would be the front runner for president. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, what, what I what I and I mentioned this in an earlier in the earlier segment of the show, uh, and this is just from from listening to prosecutors. I'm not a prosecutor, never have been, but those three counts that came down, two of them had to do with how he purchased the gun, lying on the application, being a junkie when he had it, and the third one was having the gun while being a junkie. So applying for it and holding it, it's all part of the same thing. Those three things are never, ever prosecuted in America without, without an actual crime committed by that person with the gun being tacked onto it. He is being treated unequally in this regard by the special prosecutor. Which I find fascinating. Well, yeah, I, I think the stat was there's like four thousand cases of this that are um, that are uh, brought up a year, and like it's like less than three hundred are charged. But no, it's and he had the gun for like eleven days. Like, let, let's let's there needs to be two separate things that are explained here, or three. One, if he's found guilty of the crime, 
you did the crime, you should pay the consequences for it. Right. Two, it is very clear that this is politically motivated just because the overwhelming evidence of this shows that it is not a case that is often brought. Right. Well, or never directly, brought, but yeah, yeah, in that form. directly yeah. due to him being Joe Biden's kid. Yep. Um, because, like, I, I, Trump had won. I don't even know if this, this would have even happened. And three, this has nothing to do with Joe Biden's election. Exactly. But well, or, or or everything in the minds of of the Trumpians, it has everything. Well, also, to do. in like the the people who there was a headline. I don't remember who wrote it. That said, this was a setback for Joe Biden. No, it wasn't. It's a setback for Hunter Biden being president. Yeah, yeah. Because now he has to run as a Republican. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, this doesn't. This doesn't tie to Joe Biden. And it and just like a lot of the other stuff we'll talk about, it's just. It's just noise. So yeah. The, yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the largest noise is the impeachment inquiry that uh, McCarthy announced. Uh, um, uh, uh, uh. They have nothing. No, they know they have nothing. They have nothing because they keep saying they have nothing. Like every other time James Comer goes on TV and they ask him, oh, what do you um, what do you have? He'll be like. Well, we think we have something, or he he did a thing that probably should be a crime, or we're going to look to find it. It's like, okay, so you've been looking at this for— Five, six years, five years, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you have nothing. And then when McCarthy talks about, when they're talking about the Biden crime family, they're talking about Hunter. Yeah. Their, their argument is, it basically boils down to Joe Biden should be impeached. Because Hunter Biden is the most successful lobbyist in the history of the world and able to trick every single country into giving him money in exchange for essentially nothing. <laughs> like, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah. Um because he's got, they they don't have anything. No, there's no, there's no crime there. They it, they, with four years of Donald Trump having all three <laughs> or was it four of his attorney generals looking at this stuff constantly, all sorts of reports, all sorts of commissions, and they came up with nothing. They're not. There's nothing that's going to come up now at this point either. It's not there. They just want it out there. That's all this is. And it's it's worth mentioning that this is. Anybody who describes this without saying that they have no evidence, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we have emails of whistleblowers and um, shell companies and all this other stuff. Oh, First please. off, the emails don't say what you say. The whistleblowers have either said the exact opposite of what you said or a Chinese spy yeah, or yeah. have been thorough or been debunked multiple times in the case of the IRS whistleblowers. Um, and also, if – the, uh, the IRS people are correct then. I assume you no longer need to impeach him for that since Hunter is now being charged. Exactly. 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 And, and, and since there was a special prosecutor who basically uh, had total unfettered uh, access to all the information in the world, if what he came up here was just this against Hunter with no ancillary charges against Joe, which he could have brought... He could have brought those as well, but he guess he was he might have been intelligent and realized there was nothing there, or maybe had access to the non-information, or could see that there was nothing there, and essentially decided, okay, we'll go with this. Didn't even bring up tax charges, by the way. I imagine if there were indictable tax charges, but but what what Hunter did on the taxes is normally a misdemeanor charge, if anything, anywhere. 
normally settled with a fine, and that's it. No jail time on that. No, 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 no. We need blood. Well, again, we have to we have to treat Hunter worse than we would treat any other similarly located placed person in America. Why? Because his name is Biden, and we have to make assumptions that there's something bad and terrible because it's, well, because we say there's a Biden crime family. There's no rationale to it. There's no reason to it. There's certainly no legal basis for it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I, I think the best thing that could currently happen right now is they try to vacate the chair. That would literally be the funniest thing that they could do. Um, because, one, they're going to shut down the government. Like, McCarthy gave them the impeachment so they wouldn't shut down the government. They're going to shut the government down anyway, and they're going to try to, like, it, it's going to be very clear that they're the ones doing it because part of what his job is during government shutdown is to pass appropriation bills to see what part of the government's going to be open. And the only one that's going to pass is the um, is the one for the impeachment. And it's going to be, like, painfully obvious that these are, this is a clown show. Well, I, I, now, I'm not sure right now and and this is this is just me bringing this up i'm not positive that there will ever be a vote on impeachment of joe biden in the house and i'm basing this believe it or not on an interview that matt gates did with of all people on earth Ari Melber, two nights ago on Ari Melber's show. I, I couldn't believe it either. But Matt Gates sat on Ari Melber's show and said that the impeachment basically was nothing but a smokescreen that McCarthy was putting out in order to avoid fulfilling his obligations under the 15th vote that got him to be speaker. And, and, and then Melber asks, McCar uh, asks Gates, well, where is the listing of the things that he agreed to do? Gates could not tell us where that listing was. But it sound Gates is a very smart guy, by the way. And I would have never known this had I not seen him on, on Melber's show. This is no idiot. Basically, he almost sounded as though he was trying to back out of the impeachment, knowing that this is going to be the, what, how many, how many, David, how many, how many Republicans in swing districts will lose their seats if they have to vote to impeach Joe Biden? Well, there's 19 in swing districts. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, so, okay, should we give away, should we give away the, uh, the House that easily? Well, they're okay, going to give yeah. away the House anyway. Um, they're they're going to lose the House anyway. They're probably yeah. going to lose the Senate. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Probably um, just simply because Trump's going to be the nominee or he's not going to be the nominee and they're going to get like 8% of the vote. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The... The thing with Gates is he's the one – he's a never-kepper. So he's one of the ones pushing for um, – to vacate the chair. The yeah. problem with this is the same problem that they had during uh, the speakership vote. They don't have anybody else. That Thank you. Th you know, I was going to ask you that question. I wanted your opinion on that, and thank you for presenting it. One watching Gates the other night on Melbourne could have felt – could have could have interpreted his, his – and he was – dismissive and and they played this tape of him on the on the house floor calling uh, calling mccarthy a, a dead dog i mean it was horrible you know just just dismissive and horrible and demeaning and then the question that would naturally come up is hey matt are you angling to be the speaker and i think you've you've nailed it no way in hell no one else wants that job i don't think and the, and the other thing is like McCarthy's an idiot. 
Like, yeah, yeah, he is. Like, like the very basic shit that he could have had to do, like keep the government open, is the thing that's going to fucking torpedo him. Like, I completely he believe very easily gone to the Democrats and been like, look, these people are lunatics, but they're loud and annoying. We have to do basic government functions, and I cannot do them with these lunatics. Help me get these votes. And I, I don't have to deal with these lunatics. But he does it. He does it knowing that he loses his next election. Look, that's no, all. That's what's hanging over all their he's heads. He's not going to lose his next election. He's you don't like think so? Reddest, he's in like the reddest part of California. He's not going to lose his election. Uh, 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 they, but, they couldn't. Well, then they, what would I, then I what would prevent him from having the common sense? Although that, he's I, wait, stupid. What am I saying? Of course, he doesn't. No, no. That's that's literally it. Kevin McCarthy is a stupid man. He, the reason he wasn't the speaker last time is because he went on TV during the 2016 election and said, yeah, we did Benghazi to hurt her polls. That's right. He did do that, didn't he? Thank you, yeah, for, thank you for bringing that up. A, That's right. That's right. That was McCarthy. Man. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but there is one other thing that I want to bring up very quickly. Um, there's a new, they're going to be rolling out new boosters. I think it's yesterday. I think they technically started rolling out. Yes. Yeah. In New York state, technically yesterday it started. I have a friend of mine who's flying in from out of country. Who's on American Medicare. Who's asked me already if I can get him an appointment to get, uh, to get a booster, but go on. Yeah. Go get it. Number one. Don't. And number two. In Florida, they want you to die. The Surgeon General just came out last night and said that there is zero evidence that it is a safe vaccine and that you should not take it. I want to remind you that during the Delta surge, Republicans in Florida and Ohio died at a 43% higher rate than Democrats. Wait a minute. Ron DeSantis, I'm trying to get what you're saying. Yeah, go on, go on, yeah. The Ron DeSantis administration wants to walk over, this is not an exaggeration, wants to walk over your dead bodies in order to place maybe second in Iowa. Now, now, hang on. You're saying that there's information that you're aware of that, that people should not get this booster or should get it? No, you should get it. The yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, because because the the yeah the CDC approved it. The FDA first approved it. Then the CDC. The Surgeon General is positive, but Florida is saying again, don't do it. That's what he's saying. Yes. Ah, God bless. Him. The same Surgeon General <laughs> we already know has um, has uh, just made false evidence about uh, vaccine rights and stuff. But again. It is the the most important thing is is DeSantis thinks he can beat Trump on COVID, and the way he's going to do that is to walk over the dead bodies of Floridians. Yep. In order to do it, this is not an exaggeration. That's literally their plan. I, 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 I when I'm lost for words. <laughs> well, thank God that's why you're here on Friday. It's it's. It's mind-boggling the, the, the positions, the situations that Republicans are placing themselves in and will be placing themselves in uh, over the course of the next several months as we get further and further along when all they have is the ability to basically consume one another. 
because the facts will actually start to matter here. And especially as we start getting into all the litigation, all of the trials involving Trump, facts will begin to matter. And, and, I, and I, I just, I'm in awe of, of what's happening here and I, and I so appreciate you bringing up this whole matter of the booster right now. And that's just another area where this is just gonna be Republicans feeding on Republicans. If they, if they can't get, you know, red meat is red meat. So if, if, if I can't get blood out of a democratic stone, I'll simply, I'll simply start butchering up a few other Republicans. I have a feeling this is where it may start going. I kind of got that sense in listening to Matt Gaetz uh, on, on Ari Melbert uh, a couple of nights ago. Uh, this is where they're going to have to go. And, 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 and I'm sure you're going to have more insight to it uh, as the weeks and the months roll along. David, where else can people find your insights? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Faces Ideas Down. I'm, but I'm just very glad that they can find you here on Center Left Radio on Fridays with us. And I thank you once again. And, and uh, as a reward to all of us uh, for listening and getting some more insight, we all get to kick back, relax, sit down, think about it, and do that with, ah yes, a little jazz. listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Yes, the notion of Donald becoming president is apocalyptic in, in, in frighteningness, but 
There isn't enough red meat within the reality of the democratic world for the Republicans to throw to their base, so it seems more likely they're going to begin taking themselves apart because, well, red meat is red meat. This is going to be their demise.